um, for our spiritual renewal emphasis. I am so excited that uh, Heath Pelquin has uh, come all the way from Texas to uh, share God's word with us this morning. Uh, I first met Heath uh, while serving on the uh, Board of Trustees with North American Mission Board. And Heath oozes with Jesus. And uh, we're, going to, we're going to hear from the overflow of his life this week. Let me just um, introduce uh, Heath. He gave me a little bio that I want to share with you this morning. If I can bring it up. I had it here a moment ago. Oh, where did it go? Good grief. Here we go. All right. Heath is uh, currently working at the uh, Southern Baptist Convention of Texas as uh, the Director of Pastor Church Relations. Uh, Keith uh, received his bachelor degree. He majored in music. I didn't know that he majored in music at uh, Mary Hardin Baylor uh, University. And then he went on to receive his Master of Arts in Christian Studies from the University of Mary Hardin Baylor. And he is uh, currently working on his MDiv at uh, Southwestern uh, Seminary in the area of uh, evangelism. And again, he serves on the Board of Trustees with the North American Mission Board. He has uh, a wife named Jennifer and four beautiful children that I'm sure you're going to hear more of uh, this week. But please put your hands together and let's welcome Heath Pelequin. Church family, it's good to be with you. I want you to know that uh, I did not know I was coming on such a uh, glorious weekend. What a celebration, 40 years of Christian education. I commend you, yeah, amen, I commend you for that. Uh, celebrate that. We live in a time where we need the gospel in school. And what a way to do that, and what a way to celebrate that. So I commend you for having a vision for Christian education. And uh, I want to say uh, congratulations and, um, and praise God. I pray for 40 more years of continued service. If you have your Bibles this morning, uh, we're going to be in the book of Mark. The book of Mark chapter 5. In just a moment, I'm going to begin reading in verse 1 of Mark chapter 5. But I would be remiss if I did not tell you hello from my wife Jennifer my daughter Emily Grace, my son Ethan Daniel, my daughter Anna Catherine, and my son Logan Elliott. On behalf of the Pelequins, we bring you greetings. And I want to thank you for allowing me to be with you. Um, I love your pastor. I've had the joy of serving with him for six years at the North American Mission Board. I appreciate his insight. I appreciate his detail. But I, I don't have to tell you this. I love his heart. And he loves you. And I knew that from the early early stages when I began on the board and, and just hearing him talk about the church he serves and the, and the city he serves and the state he serves. And I, um, I've been endeared to you a while, Bill. Thank you for allowing me to come and be with you. What a joy um, to be with you this morning. I've entitled this message, it's a little strange, but I've entitled it, When Jesus is Begged to Leave. When Jesus is Begged to to leave. We find here in Mark, Mark is capturing a story that Matthew captures in Matthew chapter 8, verses 28 through 34. And Mark uh, captures this event. And Mark 
adds an addendum at the end of this, which we'll read later, that I think makes this story absolutely phenomenal. Now, we know that all Scripture is phenomenal, but there's this one part in this story that really kind of captured me in my study. And so I, I leave that with you this morning. So let's begin reading in verse 1 of Mark chapter 5. Jesus has just calmed the storm at the end of chapter 4. And uh, he, he told His disciples, where's your faith? Why don't you believe? They, they were in the boat, calmed the sea, and then they went to the other side. So when they got to the other side, we get to Mark chapter 5, verse 1. And this is what Mark writes for us. He says, they came to the other side of the sea, to the country of... Gerasenes. And when Jesus had stepped out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit. He lived among the tombs and no one could bind him anymore, not even with a chain, but he wrenched the chains apart and he broke the shackles in pieces. No one had the strength to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and on the mountains, he was always crying out and cutting himself with stones. And when he saw Jesus from afar, he ran and fell down before him. Notice his posture. That's just amazing. Here's this man with all this turmoil and this, 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 this eruption of evil in his life, and he immediately runs and falls before Jesus. Verse 7, And crying out with a loud voice, he said, What have you to do with me, Jesus? Son of the Most High God, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. For he was saying to him, Come out of the man, you unclean spirit. And Jesus asked him, What is your name? And he replied, My name is Legion, for we are many. And he begged him earnestly not to send them out of the country. Now a great herd of pigs were feeding there on the hillside, and they begged him, saying, Send us to the pigs, let us enter them. So he gave them permission, and the unclean spirits came out and entered the pigs, and the herd numbering around 2,000. Rushed down the steep bank into the sea and drowned in the sea. The herdsmen fled and told in the city in the country, and the people came to see what it was that had happened. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man and the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs. And they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. As he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged him that he might be with him. And he did not permit him, but said to him, Go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how He has had mercy on you. I want to pause right there and ask you this, and I'm going to finish this. Can you remember that grateful moment when you paused in your life and thanked God for His great mercy for you? I got up this morning in your beautiful city and I, I walked downstairs to have breakfast and I remember thinking to myself, thank you for your mercy on me. Verse 20, And when Jesus went away, uh, and when He, the, He went away and began to proclaim in the Dicopolis how much Jesus had done for Him and everyone marveled. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank You this morning for this church family. I thank You this morning for how much You love them and how much You love us. God, I'm grateful to be with this beautiful people who love You. Lord, thank You for calling us to Yourself. Thank You for such a great salvation. 
Lord, thank You for the reminder today of how You work among us. We pray that You would do that in a mighty way. In Jesus' name, Amen and Amen. I want to give you three takeaways this morning. And by the way, I do want to tell you that this evening I want to invite you back. If you have ever struggled with discouragement, if you've ever been in the depths of the throes of discouragement, I want you to come back tonight and I want you to invite a friend. I, I told Pastor Bill last night over dinner, I said, I said, I don't know why I feel impressed of the Lord to preach what I'm going to preach tonight. I said, but it is a place I have been personally, and I believe that God wants to share something with all of us. So I'm going to invite you to invite people back. Maybe, they, maybe they're friends that you have. Maybe you know someone that's in the city that, that, that needs to come and hear this. Maybe you know they're, in, they're discouraged. Bring them tonight. I want to encourage you from the word of Scripture um, on, the, on, the, on the term on what it means to walk through discouragement. So come back tonight. By the way, I've never preached that message. I didn't have it till about a week and a half ago, to be honest with you. But as I begin to pray, God began to lay that on my heart. So uh, I hope you'll come. But back to this. This morning we see three things in this passage that I think brings, brings to light what happens when Jesus is begged to leave. The first one is, you have to understand that Jesus is now walking and Mark is setting a scene here where He is describing the Lord's authority. He ends at the end of chapter 4 by reminding us that the Lord is a, He has complete authority over nature, over creation. He calms the sea. They get out of the boat, they get to the other side, and now He has to combat another authority, and that is the kingdom of darkness. We know that there are two kingdoms, church. We know there's the kingdom of light, which is the kingdom of the Lord Jesus. And then there's the kingdom of darkness, which we know that at this point in time uh, is under the reign of Satan. So they get out of the boat, they go the other side, they come to the, the city or the country of Gerogenes, and here Jesus steps out of the boat and He's immediately met with a demonic man. And we see this man's turmoil all throughout this passage of Scripture. We see this man's angst. We see his pain. We see that his life is a mess. We see that he's chained and he's not in his right mind. And we realize that there's something very, very wrong with the situation. Matter of fact, it says that he had broken chains apart in verse 4. And that he, um, he had broken actually shackles in pieces and no one had the strength to subdue him. And night and day he would cry out. Because of his pain. Because of his hurt. Because of his turmoil. Have you ever been there? Didn't know where to turn. Didn't know where to go. Bondage to sin. This man was in the throes of it. He is in description of every lost man, woman, boy or girl you'll ever meet. In bondage to sin. No hope. And guess who shows up? The Savior. Jesus comes in. He gets out of the boat. He steps on dry land. He immediately meets this man. And he begins to enter this conversation. And, and immediately, the demonic forces recognize the authority of Jesus. They always do. Hey, I want you to know, boys and girls, that Jesus Christ has conquering power over everything. And that even means over those demonic forces, the evil forces of this world. There is no one, ladies and gentlemen, that can combat Jesus Christ. He is in complete authority over everything. And immediately he's met, he's met here and he comes to Jesus in verse 6 and the Bible says he falls before Jesus and begins to worship Him and begins to plead with Him and begins to cry out to Him. And I, I want to know... I want to ask you this question. When you and I encounter Jesus, what do we do? You say, well, I don't know what you mean, Heath. I don't encounter Him. I do. 
I encounter Him through His Word every day. I get up and I get in His Word early in the morning and, and it, it draws me sometimes to my knees or it draws me to my face or it brings tears to my eyes or it calls me to sing. It, it, it does all kinds of things to me. This morning I was able to get up and stare at your glorious mountains. We don't have mountains in Flower Mound, Texas. We have a mound with flowers on them. And thus the name Flower Mound. <laughs> and sometimes you can go to that mound and there are not flowers on it. And I don't know why we call it Flower Mound, but we do. But when this man encounters Jesus, he falls down before Him in a sign of authority in his life that Jesus has authority over him. And even the legion of de- uh, demons, these, these demonic spirits within him, there are many... Many theologians believe there were 2,000 pigs, there were 2,000 demons. Well, I don't know how many, but I know this. This man's life was a mess. And Jesus steps out of a boat and He's about to change everything. Can you remember when you and I were a mess? I do. No hope for heaven, no hope for life. And the sovereign grace of a holy God encountered me, changed me, No hope, no life, no grace. And He who knew no sin became my sin that I and you, we may become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And all of a sudden these spirits cry out and say, what do you do with me, Jesus, the Son of the Most High? And He says, I adjure you by God, do not torment me. Why did they say that? They said that because they knew of His authority. The demons knew the authority that Jesus possessed. They begged Him. Listen, they begged Him to do what? To leave His presence. They did not want to be there. Why? Because they knew that He had all authority and He was about to put a whooping on them. Yes, I'm from Texas. My family's from South Louisiana. We're Cajun. My great-grandfather was an independent Baptist preacher who was raised by gypsies. Go figure that out. My wife's family is from Alabama. My father-in-law is an aerial physiologist who worked with NASA. We make quite a pair when we get together. It's interesting to me, church, that in the midst of this, in verse 12, they begged Jesus to leave. They begged Him. We've got to get out of here. You can destroy us. Why? Because He's the Savior of the world. He is Lord over all creation. There's nothing that He does not have absolute power over. Can I just tell you in this room, believer in Christ, no matter what crisis you're going through in your life, no matter what you're experiencing right now today, your Savior is Lord over all creation. And there is nothing that is not outside of His sovereign control. And He has you. You do not have Him. He has got you. Hear Him say to you, I've got this today. And so Jesus said, I come out of this man, you unclean spirits. And Jesus asked what his name was. And name was Legion, for there are many. He begged him earnestly to not send him out of the country. And so Jesus was listening to him, and he says, Now there was a great herd of pigs, Mark tells us, that were feeding on the hillside. And they begged him, say, Send this to the pigs that let us enter them. And so he sent them into the pigs, and notice what the pigs do. The pigs begin to run downhill, and they run into the water. When I read this, I'll never forget my first thought. It was deep and theological. 
I said, my, 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 that's a whole lot of pork chops being wasted. My, my, my. You see folks at barbecue, amen, amen, sister, I'm with you. I mean, could you imagine that moment at, at, at this, at this, this incredible sight of this herd of pigs, 2,000 of them running off a cliff to their death? The Bible says they rushed down a steep embankment and drowned in the sea. And so look at the herdsmen. The herdsmen do what? They flee. They, they no longer have a business, do they? They're, I mean, listen, their pig farm just closed. Just like that. I mean, could you imagine you're standing there and Jesus says, come out, go there, boom, it's over. That is it. This is not a prolonged effect. I mean, you know, we, we, we don't have a movie about this. There's not something you look back on and go, man, that was terrific. Can we replay that on DVR, please? We all in this moment see that this, this business has just ceased. And now we see a scene in verse 15 where the the, the co-climax of the story comes to an apex and Jesus is standing there with the demon-possessed man that once had the demons within him. And look at what the Bible says. He's clothed and in his right mind. Can I tell you, when Jesus Christ arrives on the scene of your life and my life, He has a way of putting things right. And when you and I are out there in the community and everything seems to be so wrong, you and I have Jesus in us, Christ in you, the eternal hope of glory, Colossians writes, Paul writes to the church and says, that glory that God, that God has put in us through Christ, that is for them out there to know that we serve a God who makes all things right. And when everything's going wrong, you run to the one who makes all things right. Here's a man sitting, clothed. Why was he clothed? Because before he was not. His total life and his total being was almost animalistic. He was barbaric. He was out of control. He was not in his right mind. And the Bible says, ladies and gentlemen, the Bible says immediately he was clothed in his right mind and they were afraid. Now, before the demons were afraid, now the herdsmen are afraid. You want to know why they're afraid? Because they're thinking, well, if he could do that, what could he do next? Ladies and gentlemen, I submit to you that what happens next is the second most shocking part of this story. This is what happens next. In verse 16, they begin to describe what happened to the man and the pigs. And in verse 17, they beg Jesus to leave. My, oh my, what a sad part of this story. Now church, I want to just hone in here for just a moment. And I want to tell you this. I wish I could tell you that this was only seen in the Scriptures. But I'm afraid it is not. I'm afraid... That even in our own country today, there are people who beg Jesus to leave. I'm afraid in our own situation, in some churches, people beg Jesus to leave. Why? Because they do not understand His radical love, His glorious grace. And they've never totally surrendered to Him. 
They begged the one who calmed the sea. They begged the one who set a man free. They begged him to simply leave. Go from us. They had just seen a demonstration of power that was unpronounced. A power, a, a, a glorious interaction with a man's life being radically changed. Here he's been, he's been set free and he's, he's in his right mind and he, he is a different man, a new man. God has done a work in this man's life through Christ. They said, sir, would you please leave? I submit to you. That not everyone will like you or will like Jesus in you. But I will tell you this. He is the only one who can make the blind see, the dead raised, and He is the only one who can give life everlasting. And in this passage of Scripture, we see that in this moment, they beg Him that He might leave. And, and he, he immediately, look what happens. As He was getting in the boat... So Jesus said, asked him to leave. Jesus obviously said, okay. And he's leaving. He's leaving. The Savior is getting in the boat. The ship is about to sail. And look what happens next, because here's the third part of the story. I want you to see the peace amongst the chaos. Look what happens next. This is glorious. As he, verse 18, was begged, was getting in the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons, look at this, begged him that he might go with him. Can I, can I be honest with you, church? There is a point in your life when you meet Christ and Jesus so radically transforms you that wherever He's going, you're going. I'll never forget when I got saved. I'll never forget I was, I was, I was ten years old. And I'll never forget I got saved and all of a sudden I, I, I was, I mean, where, what, what are we doing next? What are we having next? My life became a little bit event-driven. I didn't know much else. I just knew that anytime the doors were open, I wanted to be around Jesus' people. I wanted to be around the Lord. I wanted to hear from His Word. I wanted to know Christ more. I wanted to learn what it meant to pray. And I wanted to learn what it meant to worship. And I wanted to learn what it meant to serve. And I'll never forget, I'd get to the church early and they always left one door open. And I don't know why. I guess because it was you know East Texas and safe. I don't know. But we, I'd go in and I'd sit at the piano in the dark and I'd play notes. I didn't know anything. I remember playing notes and I remember thinking, can he hear me? Ten years old. And I began to sing out loud in that dark room. And every now and then my pastor would come by and say, keep singing! Scare me to death. <laughs> yes, Holy Spirit. You don't know. It was just the pastor. But the bottom line is, I learned how to love the Lord. Can I ask you something? When was the last time in your heart of hearts, in your, in your closet, in your prayer room, did you just sing to the Lord? When was the last time you just gloriously told Him how much you love Him for His radical grace and His love? There's no one church like Him. There's no one that Ridgecrest, California needs like Him. He is the light of the world. And He has set His light in us. I travel all over the country. And I want to tell you this, and I say this not to boast or to brag about you, but in missiological terminology, which I'm studying in my doctorate, here's what I'm learning. In this sense, there are receptive areas and non-receptive areas. Sadly, I declare to you, I have met people who are more receptive to the Gospel in Ridgecrest, California than I have in the town I live in, in Texas. 
I didn't say that they were saved by my interaction with them at all. What I am saying is, I have had some, I've had some and overheard some spiritual conversations I've not heard in my own town. Folks, I want to tell you, you and I need to be like this man who's been made right by God, who Jesus now has set free. And he says, Lord, I want to go with you. I want to be with you. And I want you to know that Jesus calls this man to something really important. Because as we're, as we're looking at this, come follow me, Jesus is asking him to follow him and stay there. Have you ever had the Lord do that? Lord, I'd love to serve you. Send me to Hawaii. Lord, I'd love to serve you. Would you please send me to Boca Raton, Florida? Lord, I'll serve you. Would you please send me... Just don't send me to Oklahoma. The bottom line is, you've ever been there? You know what I'm talking about. Just get honest before the Lord, okay? We're in church. Don't lie now, okay? Lord, I'll serve you, but send me here. And the Lord says, no, stay there and serve me and love me and grow. Listen to me. You are the church of the Lord Jesus Christ and by His sovereign, mighty right hand, He has put you in the center of this community to be His glorious light to the world around you. I beg you and He begs you, stay here and serve Him. Serve Him well. Wherever He puts you, serve Him. I met my wife in college. We both went to the University of Mary Harden Baylor. For those of you that do not know, Judge Baylor, Baylor University is on our campus. We are the smaller, better looking little, little sister. That's who we are at Baylor University. That's what we say. Um, I met my wife at the University of Mary Harden Baylor. I'll never forget, I walked up to her one day and I said, I, I need to be honest with you. I said, I really think our relationship's going somewhere. I think one day we'll get married. And she said, you think? We've already had this conversation three times. I said, well, I'm a little slow, okay? And I said, now, I just want you to know that God could send us literally all over the world and I just need you to make sure you're okay with that. And she looked at me and you have to, I wish she was here because she could tell this much better than me. I wish you could see my five foot nine, blonde headed, blue eye beauty look at me and go, you're concerned about me ready to move across, across the world? I said, yeah. She said, you who've lived in one house your whole life in a small town, and I grew up in the Air Force all over the place, you are going to tell me? She said, listen, buddy, if you're waiting on me, you're two days late. I say all that to say, I got it that day. But I almost think sometimes the Lord is like, you're not waiting on me. Just follow me here. And I will show you where there is. Just follow me here and I'll show you where there is. Sometimes we're looking for there when He's saying, no, it's here. This city needs you. This city needs your gospel influence. This city needs you to be the light of Jesus to them. And I believe with all my heart that God has chosen you to be the church for this city to do just that. You be you here. So Heath, you're telling me not all the disciples that followed Him got to go from country to country? Not according to Scripture. Not according to right here. Jesus said, no, stay here. Why? Because He sent His next gospel presence right there. 
I mean, all they had to do is look at this man and every time those herdsmen would walk by and think, man, we lost all that bacon, they'd see a man who's in his right mind serving Jesus and every time they turn around, he'd be praising the Lord. Not in some radical sense that was not, that was not sincere, but lived out of a life whose heart had been changed by the Lord Jesus and whose life now matched one who had been truly redeemed. The demons know His authority. Matter of fact, James, the half-brother of Jesus, writes in James chapter 2, verse 19, the demons believe and tremble. We know that. Jesus cast them out. The sad part of this story is the herdsmen had a chance to believe. They had seen a miracle. They had seen something happen right before their eyes. Though they couldn't explain it, they knew it was beyond their control and power, and yet they fled from Jesus. But according to Mark chapter 5, verse 15, seated and in his right mind, there was one man that was glad that he came that day. There was one man whose life was changed because Jesus stepped out of a boat and stepped into his country. I'd like to remind you, church, students, parents, grandparents, that every time you and I go somewhere, we have the opportunity to be the light of the Lord Jesus. And it could just be that the Lord is allowing us to come upon someone that He's about to step out of the boat and He's about to put them in their right mind. Live your life for Him. Allow Him to use you in a powerful way. One of the most exciting things I have seen in one and a half day in your city is this. People are looking for truth. And they just haven't met you yet. And when they do, watch for Jesus to get out of His boat and change their life forever. Maybe you're here this morning. Maybe you can identify with this story. Maybe you don't realize that today the Lord Jesus has sovereignly placed you in this room to hear His Word. Maybe you are like the herdsmen that have begged Him to leave and now you're begging Him to stay. Maybe you are like this man who was once out of your mind and you realize today only Jesus can save me. You see, that's a work of the Lord. There's no one that can do that. That's His work. If you want to talk to someone afterwards, I'm going to be readily available. Your pastor will be readily available. There'll be helpers and elders out back that would love to pray with you about that. I don't know what you need to do, but I do know this. Please hear me. Do not leave here today and go, I beg you to leave, Lord. You know why I ask you not to beg Him to leave? Because He just might. The saddest part of the story is not that the pigs ran down the hill. The saddest part of the story is not that the herdsmen begged Him to leave. The saddest part of the story, church, is this. He got in the boat and left. But he didn't leave them alone. Because there was one gospel missionary who used to howl in the night and who used to be out of his mind. There was a living declaration of the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I tell you, church, you and I all represent that to the world. So I beg you, ask Him to stay. Ask Him to be near. Ask Him to draw you.
in a meeting in South Africa, Bishop Zulu of Zululand said at a meeting at the Pretoria in South Africa, what is wrong in the church today is that she has something else on her agenda which she's elevated above the will and person of Christ. May that not be said of us. May Jesus be our agenda. May He be the center point of everything we do. Church, may I tell you, your role in the life of Christendom has never been more important than right now. You are Christ's ambassadors, as Paul wrote to the church. You are a city on the hill, as Jesus told His disciples. You are empowered by on high that He has given us His Holy Spirit to reside in us, to teach us all truth and to correct us unto righteousness. You and I have the life of Christ in us. Beg Him to stay. And then allow Him to use you like never before. A few years back, I was at Starbucks, one of my favorite places. I believe the Lord resides there. Thank you for laughing. I say that in Texas, I'm like, huh? You don't get it. It was 5.30 a.m. I was going to speak to a group of men at a church in North Fort Worth, and I stopped at my city, Starbucks. And I walked in the Starbucks at 5.30 in the morning. I was the only one in the room. And so the hallelujah chorus began to play in the background as I walked up to order my venti white chocolate mocha. I got to the counter and I ordered my drink. And there a young lady standing there looked at me. And I'll never forget. She said, are you a preacher? And I said, ma'am, is it tattooed across my forehead? I don't know what you mean. She said, well, you walked in the room. And this is her words, not mine. She said, you walked in the room and the joy of the Lord filled this place. And I looked at her, I said, ma'am, I don't know if that was the joy of the Lord or my cologne, but I will tell you this. And she laughed. I said, I will tell you this, I believe so much in the sovereign hand of God that I believe that if He brought me here, I'm supposed to pray for you. What can I pray? I'll never forget tears begin to roll down her cheeks. And I said, ma'am, can I ask you a question? She said, what? I said, are you a follower of Jesus Christ? Have you renounced your sin and placed your faith and trust in Jesus as your only hope of heaven? She says, I have. And I said, well, how can I help you? She, she, she looked at me. I'll never forget what she said. Her co-workers over here doing this. They're making my latte and they're going. <laughs> Tears run down her cheeks. She says, I need to know what the will, will of the Lord is for my life. And I looked at her and said, dear lady, let me tell you this. I can't give you that, but I can give you this. You serve a God who created you to know His will. She looked up at me, tears went away, and she said, He wants me. I said, He wants you to know His will. I said, Now, are you willing to get on your knees until He gives it to you? And then she did something I've never seen in the town I live in. You see, folks, I go to, I live in a town and a place. I'm not knocking my town. I love my town. I love my city. There's a lot of advancement in the kingdom that's happened in the three years I've lived there, but I've been praying for gospel opportunities. And I'll never forget, she reached across the counter of that Starbucks and she hugged me. Like she was about to tackle me for the 49ers. I mean, she had a hold of me. I mean, I was standing there flailing like this. I'll never forget what she said. She said, thank you, thank you, thank you. God has answered my prayer. He sent me you. Now, I know some of you are going to think, well, that's wonderful. I appreciate you coming to our church and sharing that dramatic story. Ladies and gentlemen, I am a normal man. I was. It was 5.30 in the morning. The most spiritual thing I was doing at that moment was getting a Starbucks coffee. But might I tell you that it just so happened that I believe so greatly in the sovereignty of God that Jesus 
got out of his boat for her. I don't walk into a store anymore. I go, Lord, do you want to get out of your boat today? I'm ready. You say, you're crazy. I'm not crazy. I just believe Him because I've seen Him do the miraculous in the life of people. I've seen Him do things that only He could explain. And no, they weren't weird nuances or no, they weren't some kind of something that you couldn't explain. And They were just simple things like this where the Lord showed up. Wouldn't it be something if Ridgecrest said, man, I don't know what's happening. But the Lord got out of His boat at Emmanuel Baptist. And I'm headed there because they met you. I believe they will. You want to know why? Because you're a church that's allowed Him to stay when so many have begged Him to go. Keep being the church. Keep being the man and the wife that loves your neighbors even though they don't get you. And keep coming back tonight and tomorrow night. I promise you this. If you'll come back every night, I'll get on my knees in my hotel and I will come ready to preach only what the Lord wants me to preach. By the way, I didn't bring any sugar sticks from Texas. I'm not going to re-preach and rehash a bunch of things. I've never preached this in my life, what I preached this morning. Tonight, I guarantee you, wasn't on my agenda a week ago. But I know this. I know the Lord is in control. And somebody needs to hear it. Let Him get out of His boat in your life. Let's pray. Just a moment. The praise team is going to come and sing. Brother Bill is going to have a word. I just want to pray for you. If you're here this morning and you would say, Heath, I I need the Lord Jesus. I, I know that the conviction of the Holy Spirit is heavy on my heart. Please do not leave here without speaking with one of the elders. Please do not leave here without settling your hope of eternity if the Holy Spirit is drawing you. Maybe you're here this morning and you say, Heath, I, I, I need encouragement. Please, please seek someone out. We'll pray with you. If anybody is, 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 a, is, a, is deeply acquainted with discouragement, I have been, and I'll share that tonight, but I'll tell you, do not leave here today. Or maybe you're like me and you're just daring enough to pray this prayer. Now, this is not for super saints. These are for Christians who really truly believe Him. Here it is. Lord, I pray that You will get out of Your boat in my life today. Now, show me how, what that looks like. And just be available. Just be available. Every one of those disciples watched Jesus do something they had never seen. But one man was glad He did. Folks, I believe that the world's going to be changed one person at a time. I really do. If you'll just be very honest and say, Lord, use me. I'm yours. Use me. He will. Because this community needs you to be Jesus with skin on. Lord, I thank You for my friends. I thank You for this weekend. I thank You for the celebration of a school that has been the light of Jesus in this community for 40 years. God bless them with 40 more and 60 more. Lord, use them until You come. Lord, I pray You do a mighty work in this church. Lord, I beg You to not only stay, I beg You to step out of the boat in our lives. And Lord, let us see You work in the lives of others. Lord, we beg for that. Lord, I pray if there's someone in this room today 
that desperately needs you, that Lord, they would not leave here without calling out, crying out to you. We love you. In Jesus' name.